Good morning, Central. My name is Haley, and I am the Connection Pastor here at Central. I actually just celebrated a full three years here at Central, so that feels like a milestone. Thank you. A lot can happen in three years. Our family has lived in two different houses. We've all experienced a global pandemic. We had a kid during a global pandemic. And most importantly, I finally downloaded the TikTok app. <laughs> I'll just tell you there's a lot of odd stuff in the world. I'll just put that out there. But for those of you that don't know me, I grew up here in Sioux Falls, but for a season, my husband Tyson and I lived in Holland, Michigan. There we went to seminary together, and during seminary, the favorite, my favorite class that I took was called Biblical Hebrew, and it was all about learning the language of the Old Testament. It sounds nerdy, I know, but it was so fun. It was set up very much like a preschool or elementary school class with songs and dancing and skits and props and show and tell. The purpose was to use movement and memory devices to help us learn the words of Hebrew and in turn the words in scripture. Before class would begin every day, we would recite the words of Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 through 9, which is all about the commandment to love God and love your neighbor as yourself and to remember these things in very ordinary circumstances. So we sang it so often that Tyson and I began to sing these things at home. We would sing them while we were washing dishes, while we were making dinner. I would sing them in the shower. Not well, but I would sing them anyway. And what we realized was that this nearly constant prayer and meditating on God's word was something we enjoyed, but the words were beginning to just infuse everything that we were doing. It's this type of meditation on God's word that I'm reminded of when I read our final psalm for the series, Psalm 119. So that's right, you heard me right, I said final. We are in the last Sunday on a about six-month-long series on the psalms called When. The series is called When because we believe the psalms speak to a range of human realities and give us truth to hold on to when we go through certain situations. Today, we are going to be talking about what happens when we meditate on God's word. But before we do, let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Give us understanding today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to learn to love you even more. Amen. So as soon as I mentioned Psalm 119, maybe some of you turned to this in your Bibles and thought to yourself, oh my goodness, she picked the longest and most repetitive psalm in the whole book when Neil only had us read three verses last week. <laughs> when I first read this psalm, I found, my, found myself feeling slightly annoyed at the seemingly over-the-top love for God's law. Like, we get it. God's word is great, but like honey on my lips? Maybe you don't think that highly of honey, so for you it could be ice cream or coffee. For my son Theo right now, it's popsicles. So for God's word to be like a popsicle on my lips, 
I wouldn't go quite that far. But actually, Psalm 119 offers us an invitation to go beyond simply reading God's word to actually meditating on it and being transformed by it. Psalm 119 is an acrostic psalm. Pastor Jeff mentioned this a few weeks ago when we talked about Psalm 145. That just means means that each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, like from A to Z. You all remember acrostics, right? It's like when you were trying to remember the uh, letters on a compass. Nobody eats sour worms. Or if you're a piano student learning the notes of the treble clef, Every good boy deserves fudge, I think. Apparently, all my examples involve some form of food or eating. Acrostics were most likely memory devices used to aid in private and public recitation. So literally, they summarized all that needed to be said about a particular subject. It's like the psalmist wanted to use every letter possible to meditate on the importance of God's word and how it can shape us in all circumstances. We only need to meditate on it. So would you open your Bibles with me to Psalm 119? I'm not going to have you stand and read all 176 verses. We're just going to focus on 97 through 104. It says... Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. So even in reading just one stanza, we see the psalmist declare a love for this thing called God's word or testimonies or precepts. Now, these are all different words for what the ancient Jews called the Torah, which just means the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, for these ancient Jews and for the writer of Psalm 119, the Torah comprised all of who God was. It was how God's ways and will was revealed. The Torah wasn't just an arbitrary list of rules and regulations, but Torah was presented as an approach to being or a way of life that brought one closer to God. So as Christians, we would consider the Bible, God's word, one way, the primary way that God invites us to know him and to live by his instructions. Meditation was one way God's people would move from basic knowledge of Torah to actually living them out. And we see this played out in in Psalm 119. In verses 97 through 104 alone, the word meditation or meditate is used two out of six times in the whole psalm. And there are a couple different meanings here for the word meditate. 
Now, when you think of meditate, maybe some of you are thinking of another world religion where somebody might sit chanting something, maybe clearing their mind of everything. This is not the distinctly Hebrew meaning of the word. The word used for meditate can mean to ponder, consider, or occupy space in one's mind. Or the word can also mean to growl or to moan or to make a noise. It's the same kind of sound you would hear if you would ever watch a dog chewing on a bone. It's the sound of chewing and digesting and breaking apart. So to meditate on God's word is to gnaw on, chew, digest, even savor the taste. And we see this process is constant. It's the type of thing that Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians when he says to pray without ceasing. What if the psalmist is onto something? To meditate on God's law or God's word is to consider, but also to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually gnaw on the ways of God. We are invited to do the same when it comes to scripture. What if the image of a dog gnawing on a bone was, um, was something that helped us remember how to engage with scripture at all times? even when we're not reading it? What if we lived by the example of the psalmist who meditates on God's law all day long? Okay, but what good does meditating on God's word do for us? How does it actually change us? When we meditate on God's word, we grow in wisdom. I want to tell you a story about one of the wisest people I've met here during my time at Central. Her name is Karina. Now, from the moment I met Karina, she has been a person who has nearly constantly been meditating on the Word of God. After the chaos of 2020, Karina spent hours poring over Scripture to figure out how she ought to respond to all these situations. She would read scripture and then talk about what she read and then pray over what she read. She asked questions, she sought different perspectives, and she tried to do everything she could to listen to God. But what I believe makes Karina wise is not because she has all this biblical knowledge or even simply reads God's word in and of itself. What makes Karina wise is the posture she carries regardless of her position or stance on things. You maybe wouldn't even know what Karina believes because her first response is to hear from God and discern a loving and a truthful response. Sometimes that response is silence. Sometimes it's asking questions. Sometimes it's speaking the truth in love to others. The psalmist claims that God's word makes him wiser than his enemies, his teachers, and those that are older than him. 
Take it from somebody who is often asked if she like just graduated high school, <laughs> to hold more wisdom than your elders feels like quite the accomplishment. But he's not boasting about the knowledge the Bible gives him or even quoting scripture out of context. What makes the psalmist wiser than all these people is that he knows that a life in intimacy with God by the guidance and instruction of God's word offers him more abundance and truth and relationship than all the self-destructive, self-relying ways of the others. A life immersed in meditation on God's word offers meaning and purpose and values that often stand out from the values in larger society. Even in the last 48 hours, you can easily scroll through Facebook and see what our society values. Even Christians are guilty of posting comments or responses that lack sound judgment or even general thoughtfulness for other people. Meditating on God's word counteracts those things because it's a slow process that requires submitting to God's ways rather than our own. Before responding to other people, we have to take time to consider how and even if God wants us to respond. We know we can't gain wisdom if we're seeking our own agenda instead of God's. The wisdom we gain from meditating on Scripture shows itself in humility and submission to God's ways. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. A wise person, the type of person the psalmist claims to be who's even wiser than his teachers and his elders, is a person who recognizes their folly or lack of good sense when left to their own devices. A wise person can recognize their own need for wisdom and understanding and in humility seeks them out by meditating on God's word. Tim Keller said, wisdom is knowing what to do with the 80% of life where moral rules don't apply. Maybe you disagree with that, but I am not a person who believes that life is primarily black or white. For example, maybe some of you actual high school students who are graduating soon are thinking what to do about um, what to do after you graduate. Like, do you work full time, join the military, go to college? If so, where? And if so, what in the world do you study? This is a situation that might not have a right or wrong answer, but it requires wisdom and being in tune with the path God has laid out for your life. Meditating on God's word helps us navigate that 80%. If we look to verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the Bible, wisdom is rarely portrayed as a single decision, belief, or rule, but rather as a path or a way that one must discern in humility and faithfulness. When we spend time trying to hear from God by meditating on his word, God actually changes our hearts to be more in line with his path, and we can navigate those gray areas in grace and truth.
Isn't that the point of all this? To have our hearts transformed and even infused by the God who reveals himself to us in Scripture? When we meditate on God's word, it becomes a part of us. Throughout Psalm 119, the psalmist longs for their entire heart to seek after God's law. Now, the ancient Israelites would have understood, understood the heart to be the center of one's entire being. So their emotions, their intellect, their physical, um, be, their physical being, and the source of where their actions came from. So for God's law to be ever with me, as the psalmist says, is for God's law to be so integrated in his being that you wouldn't know where the ways of God stop and the psalmist starts. If we think of meditation as gnawing on God's word as if it's like food, we might realize then that when we eat and digest food, the intention is that it gets absorbed into our body and we can use it for nourishment and wholeness and it gives us life. I joke, I joke with my husband Tyson about the endless pool of sports statistics he can just keep in his brain somewhere. And when I question him about it, where he, how he knows something, he says, I don't know, I just do. I love that stuff. And even though I don't understand really why or how, all things sport-related just seem to be a part of who Tyson is. I don't think it was always that way, but it's taken him some time to learn the people and play the sports himself, and he definitely spends enough time on the ESPN app. <laughs> but what if we also said, I just love that stuff when it comes to God's word? In a time of deep turmoil in the people of God's history, their place of worship was destroyed, and they became enslaved by the Babylonian Empire. When the only tangible physical ways that they could symbolize God were gone, the prophet Jeremiah said this, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." God promised that his law would be written on their hearts. They made this a reality by praying and reciting the words of the Torah. Then the words became a part of them. Even without a physical temple or symbols of God, they had a way to ponder deeply all of who God was. Tyson didn't become a sports fanatic overnight. He also didn't just passively receive knowledge. It became a way of being because of his love for all things sports. Karina hasn't grown wise just in a one-time interaction with Scripture. But over time, her love of God's Word has caused her to want to seek a more deeper, intimate relationship with Jesus. What can too easily happen is that many of us approach scripture more like a textbook or user's manual rather than a love letter that's meant to transform us and bring us closer to Jesus. In a book I read, they called this a delight deficiency when it comes to God's word. 
Most of us have read a textbook or even an owner's manual, and I, can, I highly doubt that we are reading those as if we're meeting Jesus there. When we approach Scripture like that, like a textbook, we control the text for our own ends rather than making it our top priority to listen to Jesus and let him control what we hear. It is possible to be interested in and even excited about the Bible without actually wanting a relationship with Jesus. What about you? Do you have a delight deficiency when it comes to God's word? Just like the psalmist, I want delight and longing to inform how I interact with the living and active word of God. And I want to clarify now on what meditating on God's word is not. Meditation on God's word is not using the Bible to harm others for purely intellectual challenge, moral guidance, or purely social reform. Meditation on God's word is not listening to a sermon one day a week and then forgetting about God the other six. Meditating on God's word is not reading to check off a list or cherry-picking what we like and don't like. We can use the Bible for all those things, and it wouldn't require anything of us relationally. Psalm 119 is about the extensiveness, completeness, and fullness of all that God offers for us. We see that meditating on God's word invites us to know God, who is deeply personal and longs not just to inform us, but to transform us. Do you seek to actually meet God personally when you spend time reading his word? In John 5.39, the Jewish leaders were harassing Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. They were guilty of centering the law and their theology as the basis of their faith instead of Jesus. And then Jesus said, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Everything in scripture was given so that we would know Jesus, the the full and perfect revelation of all that who God is. So when we meditate on scripture, we not only learn who Jesus is, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we actually grow in intimacy with him. So when we meditate on God's word, we encounter Jesus. Jesus is the one who all the law and the prophets and the scriptures pointed to. It's him that gives us life, and it's him that transforms our lives. I'll be honest with you. This last week of parenting a toddler has been rough on me. Uh, We are in full tantrum mode over here, and I'm just having a hard time figuring out what to do or what's wrong or how to help him. It's, I felt like, just a hot mess at times. But I've even found that Meditating on the phrase, be still and know that I am God, has given me moments of pause enough to meet Jesus in those tantrums. The tantrums don't stop, 
but I at least am given a tiny bit of grace and mercy to have the patience not to yell at my child. I imagine that's Jesus meeting me and actually transforming me in that moment. There was something about God's law that gave the psalmist delight and energy and life. Like the image of a dog gnawing on a bone, maybe we realize the dog does this because it was created and wired to do so. Dogs also just love chewing on bones. Maybe the psalmist realized he was created to know and love God. And a way he could do this was to meditate on God's word. So when we read or ponder God's word, we are doing what we were made to do. To know and love and encounter the living Jesus. So what does this actually look like then? To meditate or gnaw on God's word like a dog gnawing on a bone when it sometimes feels like, quite honestly, that life is gnawing at me. (laughs) Let me explain a little more what meditating on God's word can actually look like. So meditating on God's word is deeply pondering or chewing on what we know in the written word to prayerfully encounter and be changed by Jesus. The deeper we ponder, the more it seeps into our being and God can actually use it to transform us. For those that like practical tips, here are some suggestions. Prayerfully spend time with a small passage of scripture, even just one or two verses. Read those two verses every day for a week. Could you find a way to offer them as a prayer throughout your week? You could also ask this question wherever you read, whenever you read scripture. How does Jesus want to change me through this passage or verse? And last, because we're finishing a series on the Psalms, pray the words of the Psalms, one Psalm per day. What do you learn about God through that? If you want more tips or suggestions or resources, you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you or use the one on the screen for resources on how to meditate on God's word in a way that makes sense to where you're at in your spiritual walk. Ultimately, Psalm 119 helps us see that when we meditate on God's word, we encounter Jesus and our lives are truly transformed. We grow in wisdom. God's word becomes a part of us, so much so that we delight in it, and we are drawn to a life of intimacy with Jesus. Maybe you encounter God's word right now, and it feels lifeless or draining or even complicated. Maybe you've never read God's word and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to start. Maybe you love God's word, but you want to grow in intimacy with Jesus. I challenge you to consider where you're at on those things. How do you encounter God's word in this season of your life? And wherever you're at on these things, we'll have people up front at the end of the service to pray with you whether you want prayer for that or for really anything else. And one reminder before you go, 
that Lifeline Children's Services will be out in the concourse if you have questions or want to get involved or learn more. And now I want to close by praying the words of this psalm for us. I hope it can be a prayer for you to meet Jesus, to grow in wisdom, and for Jesus to be a part of who you are. So would you stand with me? Let's pray. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. You are our meditation all the day. You make us wiser than our enemies, for you are ever with us. We have more understanding than all our teachers, for you, Jesus, are our meditation. We understand more than the aged, for we keep your decrees. Hold back our feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. We do not turn aside from you, Jesus, for you have taught us. How sweet is your name to our taste, sweeter than honey to our mouths. Through you, Jesus, we get understanding, and therefore we hate every false way. Amen. Have a great week.